0: Welcome to We are taking a return trip to a place that's very near and dear to my heart. We're going back to Downton Abbey for uh, an episode. This is going to be a new feature on the show. We're going to do uh, because I've noticed since in the the almost I guess a year and a half since we did the episode on the Downton Abbey film, which came out in September of 2019. That episode gets downloaded uh, very, very often. It's a very popular episode. It's it's maintained a lot of popularity. You know, a lot of our shows, some of them are more newsworthy. Some are meant to be, you know, you can listen to them kind of whenever, even if they've been recorded years ago. That is certainly one that, even though it was about the film, people continue to download it. And uh, we decided, you know, if people love that one, maybe they'd love uh, some more Downton content. So we're going to do a new series where we focus on the overall arc of a specific character and the way that I want to, the reason I want to do it that way is because, you know, I mean, the, the, probably the most ideal format would be to just, you know, go through every episode. That's a lot. That's a lot of episodes to commit to. I would pretty much have to do them solo. I'm not sure I could get a co-host on with, with frequency enough to be, to be able to kind of give that kind of project, uh, justice. And then not only that, it's very hard to, like, watch one episode of Downton in a week. I've seen most of these episodes. Multiple, three, four, five times. Some of them even. A lot of the Christmas specials. Very hard. You can't just do one a week. You have to... I, I'd almost want to record one, then the, record an episode, and then watch the next episode and record. I'd almost want to do, like, a whole season in a two-day stretch, which, you know, good luck finding a co to do that. But anyway... If you like this episode, uh, please leave a review on uh, Apple or uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Feedback is very important; it helps the algorithm. Uh, leave a review, and uh, you know, if you like this one, uh, we're going to start with Thomas Barrow, who I really, really love. He's he's of all of, all of the characters who are primary characters for the uh, for every episode of the series. He's by far my favorite. I love Mosley and Spratt, but they don't really fall under that category. Uh, mostly sort of more, more than Spratt, but he was in every season, but he, he wasn't really a primary character until the third season. And even then, I mean, a little bit, it was really season four, but, uh, I love Thomas Barrow. He, to me, I mean, it's, it's hard to call him the heart and soul of the show. Cause he doesn't really have a lot of the time. He does not have much of a heart. And yet he has, I think with, with a similar, you can kind of lump him in a similar category as Daisy. They show the most sort of character growth, most satisfying character arc, definitely among the downstairs cast. I think probably also kind of the upstairs. I mean, Lady Mary has a hell of an arc. Edith has a really satisfying arc. Thomas Barrow, though, goes from arch-villain to butler. And that is not really... I mean, it's a linear path in the sense that he's, he's climbing the, the ladder, he's climbing the rungs, but it to to take a character like that who spends the the first season just being so nasty and doing a lot of horrible things to then not really being it, it it's hard when 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 talking about Downton or seeing Downton described in uh you know large publications when they're kind of going through the characters quickly I mean even until like even up to when the movie was coming out D- Thomas Barrow was often described as a villainous character And kind of the the funny thing about when you kind of go back and watch Downton from the beginning, he is really only, he's only really a straight villain for the first season. He doesn't, he, he, and then kind of from then on, his, his crime is almost more of a sense that he's unpleasant or that he's not very nice to other characters. And yeah, he has a feud with Mr. Bates, which we'll unpack, but, uh, If you're familiar with my Downton writing, one of my most popular articles, I mean, a lot of uh, my Downton articles that I wrote back in, like, 2014 or when the show was still running, they still get a lot of hits, like the Richard Carlyle one or uh, I Hate Mr. Bates, I think, is probably the most uh, (laughs) popular. (laughs) My dislike of Bates was sort of uh, very parallel to the sort of... I was a hardcore free Bates person in uh, Season 3 when it was airing, and then they did the Mr. Green plot line and there's we, you know we we've flung the Bates into a, a second murder plot and I really started to sour on him and there's a scene there's a scene in season 5 where Bates and uh, Barrow are having kind of an argument and Barrow just kind of looks at him and says, "You know, Mr. Bates, I don't like you, you don't like me. Let's leave it at that." It's a, a little bit of a paraphrase, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, "You know what? I don't really like Mr. Bates either. I'm kind of with Thomas. If I have to work with this guy for The show takes place over the course of 15 years. It starts off in uh, 1912, and and the movie is in 1927. So this is a uh, 15-year stretch. Uh, The first season establishes that Thomas has been at Downton for a few years. So Thomas has, uh, by the film, he's been there about 20 years. Not counting uh, he was away for the war for uh, one to two years, I guess. And that timeline is something that we want to keep... You know, that's that's an important thing to keep in mind because if he's if he's this awful villain the whole time, wow, wh- wh- how does he stay? Like if he's so evil and everybody hates him so much, if he's really the villain of Downton, then uh you know, why is this guy still around? Why wouldn't they get rid of him? And it's funny, I was going back and there's a couple there's a couple interesting sort of uh I mean, you could call it data, I guess. <laughs> not really not really very thorough but uh of all of the terminations in downton really the 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 servants who were sacked there's there's four that come to mind of people who were fired who were forced to leave downton and they were all for sexual based issues so you have uh ethel and jane in in series two who uh one was uh, ethel was sleeping with soldiers and then Jane uh, had a uh, brief, brief, really ill-advised, probably one of the dumber plots of the show, uh, affair with his lordship, and then we have uh, Edna Braithwaite, who twice, twice, like within end of season three, beginning of season four, leaves and comes back within that stretch of a few episodes, uh, twice, really pursues uh, Mister Branson, and then we have in season five, in the first episode, Jimmy leaves after uh, being caught in the bed with uh, that visiting uh, countess. So, nobody's really fired, nobody's fired for cause, nobody's fired like, you're not a good fit down here, we had, uh, there was Lang, the temporary valid after Bates left, uh, who was in the beginning of season, he was in the second episode of season 2, who left with uh, PTSD, you know, O'Brien leaves, Alfred goes to become a chef, a lot of people leave, Gwen, Gwen gets a better job, that's a big arc in season 1. A lot of people leave, but people are not fired because they're bad at their jobs. And you know what, Downton is not really... I mean, it is a workplace drama, but it's really a soap opera. It's not really meant to be a workplace. But nobody... Throughout the show, nobody's really like, Mr. Barrow, you suck at your job. You know, you you have to go, or everybody hates you, you have to go. Past season one, kind of largely his biggest crime is that he's very oftentimes very unpleasant. And that, like... Whatever you want to say about oh you know I don't like him he's mean to Bates he uh he does he does try and get Bates into trouble in uh, season five he tells the police that there's something going on with Anna and uh, Green I mean we'll pack unpack that plot a little bit later uh example of of you know kind of uh, situation where Thomas is thrust into a villain role more than you know he's really the driving force he's kind of a means to an end for Julian Fellows to have the uh, you know bring the police down upon Anna? It's not, it's not like that plot line is headed towards, you know, this big Bates uh, Barrow showdown. That that never, never really. It's always kind of present after season one, but it's never really confronted. And and Bates Bates helps Thomas. He helps him save his job in season three when O'Brien is gunning for him with the whole Jimmy thing. But that's kind of kind of the bigger point about about Downton is there's not. A ton of drama in the downstairs, especially kind of past, you know, we can say that Thomas and O'Brien are two of the primary antagonists of the first season, but then they don't need a really a second antagonist, they don't need an antagonist for the second season because they have World War One. that the war is an antagonist. And then, you know, from then on you have Barrow uh, and-, and O'Brien feuding, the show kind of struggled oftentimes to kind of figure out what it wanted for Barrow to do. There's stretches where he's not really in possession of a a coherent plot line, particularly the beginning of season four. It is also worth noting my last, like, bit of uh, real, real hard, hard (laughs) data. So, of the six seasons of Downton, Barrow leaving, the idea that Barrow may leave Downton is a major plot line for him in four of the six seasons you have in season one he has to uh he he does leave he's uh being told that you know he'll likely be fired as a result of trying to frame baits for the wine and he decides he'll take a a job in the army as a medic trying to avoid the front obviously that doesn't work and he does come back then season two he's uh you know he's with the army he's in charge of downton so he's kind of climbing the ladder slowly but surely the war is coming to an end Okay, Barrow may leave. Then the Spanish flu comes, and all of a sudden he's basically the only one who can take charge. And then they're kind of in a position where they don't really want to get rid of him. Is he maybe going back to Footman? And then that coincides with Bates going to jail. Thomas taking ISIS hiding the dog, uh, and then escapes and his lordship sees him the next morning going to look for the dog. You can say that's like kind of evil. Uh, it's not nice, especially to do to a dog. It's you know, animal cruelty, but, uh, you know, in in rewatching the first season, I'm reminded that, uh, there was a time when, when Cora and Robert were openly discussing, uh, O'Brien's termination in, not only in front of, like, she walks in on it, but then they're openly talking about it when, when, when they're in one of the sitting rooms and the servants are walking around, so obviously that's gonna go back to her. So, I mean, loyalty, it, you could say, "Oh my God, isn't it bad that Thomas hid hid a dog and and then was gonna go find it?" Yeah, isn't it also bad that these servants are you know going to these lengths to try and keep their jobs or the the power dynamic of you know your employment is 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 hanging by a thread? I mean that that dynamic is also kind of sort of lightheartedly hinted at in the film when when Thomas Barrow ob- objects to. Uh, Carson coming back to help manage the king which was just such a I mean I talked about the film uh the film got its own episode but uh such a the 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 whole dynamic had to bend over backwards to get Carson back to Downton I mean he's supposed to have a hand tremor and that's never never really mentioned in the movie they bring him back and then like they don't even need him really to run the royal household cuz they got the other people I mean it's silly and it's fun but it was really very contrived, just to kind of get Barrow out of the way so we can go have his romantic plotline, which was very satisfying, but at the same time, you know, Barrow says, you know, I will go take my leave until I'm needed again, and uh, Mary sort of lightheartedly says, you know, will you sack him, to uh, uh, Robert, and Robert's like, no, i rather like this new Barrow. Yeah, that's that's a cute scene. It it also is a reminder that, you know, these people's whole livelihoods, all of that, is really kind of lorded over them, and, you know, if yeah, if you talk back to your employer, maybe your job should be, uh, you know, up in the air a little bit, but it's, it's definitely an uneven power dynamic, so that's so, a little bit of a tangent, but, uh, season two, he, uh, you know, is maybe gonna leave, and then he doesn't, and then we have, in season three, it's repeated again, we've got, you know, Bates spends most of the season in jail, Thomas is the valet, and... As soon as uh, Bates is, uh, as soon as they find the evidence that Bates is is innocent, he gets, you know, he's investigated for two separate murders. And prior to the show, Bates served time for uh, drunkenness and thievery, so... (laughs) You want to take a side on the Barrow-Bates feud? Yeah, maybe he was onto something. This Bates, dude, he is a creep. Anyway, so... Bates comes back and then Thomas uh, needs to go somewhere else because he's been a train valet and he can't be a footman again unless he's Mr. Mosley, but that hadn't happened at this point. So that whole plot line, the whole thing about Jimmy, he makes a move on Jimmy, then Jimmy's gonna threaten them. You can have a reference. Very sad. That's that's something I think I mean, Robert James Collier, the the actor, I uh, he did a really, really good job. That's probably his finest hour, just seeing this, this closeted gay man uh, crumble because he was let on, and he's going to have his life destroyed. That's very, very sad, but once again, once again, for the third straight season in a row, Barrow leaving Downton is uh up—that's uh, that, one of his big plot lines. That is not a plot line in seasons four or five. We do see—I mean— Especially in season four, Barrow's really just got nothing to do for a lot of the time. They have this scheming with Baxter, but, uh, he doesn't do that in, I mean, he, he, there's no Barrow is going to leave. Willie, won't he for seasons, uh, form five. Oh, they do. They do kind of transfer that dynamic to Branson. He spends, uh, certainly the, the latter half of season four and all, pretty much all of season five saying he's going to go to America. And then at the end of the second season, second episode of the sixth season, he's back. Like, and I'm kind of reminded something to keep in mind throughout all of this is Down Abbey is written by one man, Julian Fellows. Other shows have writers' rooms that really kind of take a hammer and, and hammer home a plot line until it's like very cohesive and, you know, there, there's a lot of follow through. Down will sometimes just kind of haphazardly kind of piece together a plot line. They'll they'll hint at it a couple times. Like I mean, the, the movie, the whole in the beginning, Br- Branson befriending the guy who wants to kill the king, that happened like three sequential scenes, and then it like goes away, and you it's very easy to forget about it. And kind of odd, I think. Uh, you know, Julian Fellows did a did a really great job with the world building. There are some episodes where you're s- sort of sitting there thinking about you know, where is this plot going, or, or the pacing, pacing in particular, especially latter half of season five, they basically start kind of wrapping up the show. You have Bates, and you have uh, Carson, you have Mrs. Hughes, all sort of, and Mrs. Patmore, making plans to kind of move on, and you're sitting there kind of thinking, like, is this the final season? Are they going to make another one? I, I think you kind of go back and think, like, okay, you know, some of this stuff was maybe dragged out a little bit. And Barrow is it, for for those the seasons four and five just kind of up in the air. You know he's there. A lot of his a lot of his interactions come when he's either talking with the servants or uh, you know in relation to the fact that as under butler he's serving. Uh, he's you know he's upstairs in the dining room a lot, so he's able to kind of gossip all of that. Season six, he. Right from the start, they're like, Who has an underbutler anymore? Which is which is literally a fair point. We're in nineteen twenty five. Households like Downton probably I mean, under butler as a, under underbutler as a position has never really been that popular. And for a place like High High Clear Castle out in the country, it is fairly preposterous that they would have as many servants as they did in season six. However, What's kind of contradicted about that dynamic is, uh, at the end of the fifth season, they hire a second footman again. And don't even get me started. We will definitely do a Mosley-centric episode. So I don't want to talk too much about Mosley as footman, but I mean, it is it it is kind of relevant that that. It, it, so for all of season six, Thomas Barrow, uh, the plotline of you have to go find another job is relevant in every single episode. They start that right out off the bat. Uh Carson I mean uh Robert remarks to Carson, who has an underbutler anymore? I mean that that was honestly probably true when they made him the underbutler. And they kinda half defend it as he's really good at cricket, we need him for this cricket game. Mosley talked about cricket game and he sucked at that. So four of the six seasons, they give him this plot line of, you know, maybe you should leave Downton. And it's like, okay. Can we maybe find something else for this guy to do? Because he keeps getting described as a villain after the first season, he is not really the villain in any meaningful sense of the word past that. And I don't, I don't want to necessarily excuse the his actions in the first season. I mean, they're pretty bad, and it's not just necessarily directed at Bates. First, you know, on the first episode, he blackmails the Duke of Crowborough, trying to, uh, you know, say, oh yeah, come come to get married, and then I'll get to be a valet. I mean, he starts off the show fairly bitter that he doesn't get to be uh, valid valet and that John Bates who uh is is disabled, he he hasn't been he, he he's not familiar with servants. They're bringing uh service, they're bringing an outside hire in. Barry's a little jealous. They start going for him. That's not very nice. However, he's he's not it's not like he's the only one not being nice. to Bates, Cora wants him gone, Carson wants him gone. I mean, whether O'Brien's uh, desire to also have him gone is is related to her alliance with Thomas. I mean, it's kind of a nature versus nurture situation. I mean, Thomas, Thomas and O'Brien are not really warm, cuddly people. Like, uh, I mean, Anna, Anna would probably come to mind as the big uh, w- William Daisy nice, nice people, people you'd want to have a nice cup of tea with uh, down downstairs. They're not really predisposed to that. And uh, I mean, my my own personal connection to Barrow. As a as a member of the LGBTQ community, as somebody who spent a long time in the closet, it's you know you don't you don't want to be a person who who makes excuses for why Thomas Barrow was was mean for a lot of his life. I, I don't I don't want to do that. I don't think we have to, and we don't have to you know you don't have to defend the indefensible. But also, this is a television show, a soap opera that needs drama. So somebody's kind of got to be the one to to. Stir things up a little bit. You can't just you know you don't you don't want it's not Polyam, uh, Pollyanna Pollyanna uh, Abbey it's it's Abbey. You gotta have some kind of con. And God, so I mean sometimes sometimes Carson would fall under that like he'd be he's really really happy that Bates is uh, freed from prison but he's also like he he he's weirdly uh, he plays favorites very he's very cruel to. I mean, you can, you can kind of understand why he would not have the greatest relationship with, like, a Barrow or a Jimmy, who are not kind of a natural uh, fit for his skill set. And he goes out of his way to to nurture uh, William, and then also, especially Alfred before Jimmy comes. Alfred arrives in Downton in season three, a few episodes before Jimmy. There's the whole uh, financial difficulty, financial ruin of Downton. And there's a kind of uh, touching scene where, nah, it's, it's, we can call it a little bit touching where you have uh, Jimmy, I mean, uh, Alfred is trying to learn the spoons, the different serving spoons, of which there's ten, basically. And Barrow's sitting there, and he's like, I'm a little jealous, you know, you're giving him all this special treatment. And Carson just kind of looks at him and says, like, you know, you never asked. And it's weird, because Carson is very, very cold to Barrow. Really, throughout his time, he calls him foul in the third season... He, it's a bit of a, more of a mixed bag in the sixth season. There are times when, when he's, he almost kind of defends Thomas saying like, I do think he's sincere and trying to get another job to, uh, Robert. It's, it's unclear if he's really that helpful in terms of trying to get Thomas to get a better job, but we, you know, there is also the dynamic that, uh, he thinks that Thomas is trying to prey on Andy, which is. Me. I mean we do have the scene uh in in the where uh, the second to last episode episode before the Christmas special where Thomas does try and kill himself and uh Carson expresses regret that he underestimated that Thomas doesn't have a uh didn't have a heart I mean Car- if you if you watch Carson in the sixth season he is very unpleasant to a lot of people he's very unpleasant to his wife mrs Hughes he's Awful to Mister Mosley, and he's awful to Mister Mosley in from season four on. Here's this grown man as a footman, and he's he's trying to like guilt Mosley, and when he's when he's getting a teacher job, like obviously you would want to leave that job and go be a teacher, and yet we've got Carson being like, "Woe is me, woe is me." Car, I mean Carson is kind of an unpleasant dude too. So if Barrow doesn't, I mean the the love loss between Carson and Barrow, it it I, I was about to say it's hard to assign blame. It's not that hard to assign blame. Thomas, uh, you know, thieving, uh, scheming against Bates, uh, hitting on multiple— I mean, Gon—I mean, Downton exists in kind of a gonzo alternate reality where people like Robert don't really give much of a shit about homosexuality in the 1920s. I mean, as somebody who's kind of studied the, the rise of the Victorian era and its effects on, uh, you know, legislating sexuality and all of that. Like, Foucault writes about it a little bit in uh, The History of Sexuality. I mean, it, it, it's possible. It, it, it wasn't like homosexuality was this big secret with some of these people. I mean, the, you, some people did know. So, maybe, maybe not. Long story short, Barrow, for a whole downstairs that knows Barrow's deal, he, he does get a fair bit of leeway. They don't really seem to care. They are a little super woke and... They are certainly super involved in the lives of the servants. It, if you read like a Jane Austen or a Middlemarch or something, the servants are not really mentioned. The, you know, this whole let's do servant drama kind of more came about. Well, there were a lot of mysteries. There's a trope that uh, the butler did it, that kind of thing. But uh, upstairs, downstairs. I mean, Down Abbey is largely a riff on upstairs, downstairs. They recycle like a lot of upstairs, downstairs plots. Upstairs, downstairs is a really great show. If you have Brit Box, uh, all of the old episodes are on it. I, I love it. I think the cast is fantastic. And it's it's okay. You know, I like the fact that Downton exists in kind of this Gonzo reality. Barrow is a very, very complex LGBTQ character. And that's part of the reason why I'm sitting here doing an episode about it. Because he's got all this depth to him. But I think, you know, without without defending some of his actions toward other characters... I think he does get a fairly raw deal from, uh, Carson, uh, he's not really given the benefit of the doubt, uh, you know, when he's trying to teach Andy to read, other characters are warning Andy about him, I think th- th- there's a scene where Barrow, uh, is accused by Mrs. Patmore of, like, teasing Daisy when he's not, and you know what, I mean, some of that's deserved, he led Daisy on in the first season with, uh, William, asked her to the fair, and Bates says you bastard and Bates physically threatened him. Thomas 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 is a backstabber. He's not a front stabber. He's he's Bates Bates is more of a brawler. Bates is probably in a better position to fend for himself. Thomas does plenty of cheap shots. Uh, you know some of his dislike is is deserved. And yet at the same time he is also a character who is very desperate to be loved and he does he does respond uh affection uh pretty well uh with maybe the i mean the falling out if if you look at really the mechanics of the falling out between O'Brien and Barrow I mean o- O'Brien is a character who remains on the show for two additional seasons after she positioned a piece of soap in a way that caused a miscarriage I mean O'Brien is really objectively probably the the worst of the worst in terms of uh, servants doing bad things, especially to other people. And, I mean, we can understand that O'Brien... I mean, O'Brien did that because she was literally afraid for her job. So, I mean, that's kind of messed up. But at, at the same time, causing, a you know, the the whole soap thing. And there wasn't really, like, there was ever justice for the soap either. And they, they kind of see more resolution for it with uh, when she nurses Cora back to health during the whole uh, Spanish flu scare. And that was kind of her... Redemptive arc, but still pretty, pretty, pretty messed up. But when it comes to the uh, falling out between O'Brien and Barrow, that that is definitely more of Barrow's fault, and he's upset because Matthew arrives to Downton. Matthew says, "No, Mosley, you can't come and be my uh, valet. You will stay at Crawley House. My mom needs you." The following season, she doesn't need him when he tries to get his job back, even though she then takes uh, Carson's old uh, charming Charlie's uh, guy, singer guy, uh, in Mosley has to then be a delivery boy and work manual labor and all sorts of stuff until he has to become a footman. And, of course, all of that is kind of contrived to get Mosley back in the big house, but... Kind of messed up still, but, uh, so, we're in early season, we're in the first episode of season, uh, three, and, uh, all of a sudden, this brand new footman at a time of pure hiring freeze at Downton, at this whole... At this specific moment, and you know what, as the heir, as the heir in that time, it would probably be a little bit unrealistic that Matthew would have had a full-time valet. It's, it's, at a time when, when people who who actually held the titles were getting rid of valets, the idea that the heir would automatically get one who wasn't like, it it would have been more common for a footman to double as a valet, or even a butler to double as a valet, which Carson sometimes did but uh, that would have been much more common than to just give him a full-time. But this is a show that would like to have an extra full-time character, so obviously kind of the cards lined up. But so Barrow, who has spent three seasons, well, at that point too, scheming and scheming and trying to get uh, a job as a valet, he then gets the job and then sees somebody who is literally right through the door essentially becoming not quite his literal peer, but essentially also becoming, like, on his way to being a valet. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to imagine a scenario where anyone other than Mosley would have been Matthew's full-time valet, but... Barrow's angry, and uh, Barrow starts scheming, and uh, there was a the whole ordeal with the shirts where uh, the Dowager made her great. You know, I thought you were a waiter joke. Uh, there's the back-and-forth Brian hiding shirts and Barrow burning uh, clothes and all of that. And then Barrow... You know, Barrow actually throws Mosley his best bone of the show. He he essentially is like, you know, why don't we have Mr. Mosley come? And he says that to his lordship in the second episode of the third season. And then Mosley arrives and... (laughs) You know, it's not... Mosley and Barrow do not get along. Even though, you know, maybe a writer's room would have been... There's some points later on where you've got the Barrow-Baxter feud. Or kind of blackmail scheme going on. It's not really a feud because... I mean, Baxter is really doing her best to uh, not... I mean, she does a very good job of not engaging with Barrow's crap, but... You know, Mosley's kind of in the middle of that, telling off uh, Barrow. I was just kind of waiting for a moment of Barrow saying, like, the only reason you got in this big house because of me, dude, but that was never brought up. I mean, Barrow is unquestionably the more likable character than O'Brien, and yet uh, he is definitely more to blame for uh, their whole feud falling apart. And... I mean, she really didn't like Bates either. Uh, she trips Bates early on in the first season. But uh, the whole framing him for the wine, getting Daisy involved, saying she saw him. She's definitely the one who's saying, like, I don't want to get sacked for this. Like, this is... She's kind of following his lead, kind of fending for herself. She gets caught before Before Barrow sends for mosley mosley kind of sees him taking uh carson's wallet too in the first season yeah this is and not only that kind of jumping all over the place uh barrow's very mad that he doesn't get to be the butler of crawley house which i guess wasn't occupied before uh uh, matthew and isabelle are are, are sent for and then uh car uh Robert sets that up, and there's the whole scene in the second episode of the first season where, uh, Mosley has to watch, uh, Matthew doesn't want any help, and, and Robert has to say, like, I mean, really, the big, the big case for keeping Downton for why they're going on with all of this stuff is, Downton must be a place for employment. Yet so many of Barrow's plot lines center around, gee, we don't have room for you. Yeah, but, I mean, passage of time, you know, we don't... it seems like a cheap shot to apply all of that to the logic of, uh, Robert saying, like, we, you know, we need, you know, you need to give people like Mosley work in the first episode of the first season when obviously, you know, play, the reason play, country houses like Downton Abbey fell in the first place is because as the, as, as we saw more of a modern economy, rise of the stock market, all of that, uh, agriculture became, uh, really not something that could sustain these, these massive houses, these big, you know, the price of the value of the land, and the yields from pig farm—I mean that they're supposed to be big pig farmers. Pig farmers not really supporting a big, big place like Downton. So, I mean, there's circumstances beyond the control. But, I mean, as it relates to Barrow, I mean he's he's really just trying to he, hes looking for somewhere steady to land, and he's also got a huge ego. You know, that's—he's angry. He's angry that he didn't get asked for the most. He's—he's constantly—he's constantly aggrieved and. I mean, sometimes, sometimes that's beneficial. Like uh, in the uh, fifth season uh, Christmas special, where uh, they go to go to Brancaster Castle, which uh, the Aldriches, Lord Cinderby, is uh, renting. And then the butler, his butler, is very mean to uh, Branson. He's very mean. To, he's very mean to Barrow too. And Barrow is there. He's uh, he's serving as uh, valet. For the second is substitute valid for the second time now. The f- first time would have been in season four when he goes to America when Robert has to go testify on Cora's brother Harold's, uh, played by Paul Giamatti's behalf. When he goes, when they go to Brancaster, the season five Christmas special is fantastic. Not just because it's uh, Henry Talbot's first appearance, but a lot of fun. Mary asks Bran, I mean, uh, Mary asks Barrow to get back at Stowell, and <laughs> he has a scheme where he forges a letter and says you know, uh, request simpler food, so he gets embarrassed. But then Lord Cinderby gets angry and calls Barrow a fool. And Barrow responds by inviting his his mistress and their child to visit. And there's the awkward awkward scene where Rose is covering and uh, she she ingratiates herself to the family, but <laughs> Barrow Barrow Bar- 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 doesn't get in trouble for doing that. It's like one of the most absurd overreactions that they're all like, "Oops. I guess this is Barrow acting uh acting out of turn." I mean, I I liked it cuz you know, for for seasons 3 and 4, I mean, you know, it's kind of good that O'Brien left the show because she'd probably run her course and and the Barrow-O'Brien feud, it was was getting tiresome and she clearly wanted to leave and... I mean, Baxter was a fine character. I mean, first we had Edna Braithwaite, but uh, Baxter's a fine character. What kind of bothered me about... So, Barrow in, I want to say, Season 4, Episode 3... Uh, when, when Edna Braithwaite leaves her second tour of duty at Downton, like pretty much sequentially, nobody seems to remember her. Uh, uh she leaves and, uh, Barrow asks his lordship, you know, I've got a candidate to put forth, uh, mostly at the end of season three, Barrow had, Barrow had told Mosley that, uh, O'Brien was leaving and he tried to put forth a candidate who we never hear from again. Maybe she found a job, uh, cause O'Brien gets mad at, at Mosley for mentioning to, uh, Cora that that she was leaving, and then it's revealed that Barrow was behind the plan, but... So Barrow, this time, has somebody to put forth, and it's Baxter, who he knows had served time in jail. A lot of thieves come to work it down. Bates had been in trouble. Baxter's in trouble. Very odd. Very, very odd. But anyway, so Baxter comes, and... Barrow like slips back into his scheming. I mean, Bates saves his job. Bates is essentially responsible for getting uh, him the uh, under butler position by uh, leveraging her ladyship's soap against O'Brien. And uh, he says, you know, I don't want to see a man. Uh, I couldn't couldn't wish for a man to lose his life because of all of this. And uh, he's very nice, and Barrow responds by starting to scheme again. And it's a really. It's a really weak sense of scheming. It really is. It's, it's kind of frustrating because they've thrust Barrow sort of back into the role of villain kind of because they don't seem to know what to do with him. It's odd. You know, season four is the first season, first of two, where Barrow leaving Downton is not really a question. And he kind of, you know, he for the first couple episodes, he's kind of a background character. He doesn't have too much of a plot. He does have one of the great, great, maybe, maybe... Maybe the greatest barrel moment is uh, when he objects to the poor treatment uh, the nanny in the uh, first episode of series four, which is a lot of fun. Nanny Nanny West, who is uh, abusive, and he catches her, and he loves uh, he loves he loves Sybil, and uh, you know he cares for Sibby. He does hate Branson though. I, I guess we haven't talked about season two. Uh, we'll finish on. We, we're jumping all over the place, but this is when you've seen Downton as many times as I have and you know the kind of people who are listening to a Downton podcast uh, like this are probably in the same boat I tend to just skip around and you know if there's a certain plot line I don't really care like I'm not not a big Ethel fan I do like season 3 a lot I tend to skip over you know the the great scene where Isabel organizes a dinner I mean a, a lunch for the ladies and Cora has an act of rebellion stays there I mean it's fine. It's not really my favorite thing in the world, but... So, Barrow, after that's done, he's kind of a background character for a couple episodes. They do the green uh, Lord Gillingham stuff, which kind of sucks, but... Uh... Then Baxter comes, and he's like, you know, I want reports. I want all of this. It's like he's thrust back into the scheming role, basically because they don't seem to have anything to do with him, and we see this with uh, Jillian Fellows, I mean if the the Bateses get even, even, basically even worse they spend I mean as soon as Bates gets out of jail in season 3 he gets like, you know, he gets to help Mosley a little bit, forging a letter so that he can give him some money without thinking it's charity, then they're just kind of thrust back into him. Mer- I mean there are a lot of times where he just doesn't really know what to do with these characters, uh, Miss Patmore often gets really crap plot lines uh, death of it, her nephew was kind of t- touching though but so we barrow and he's just he's he's kind of loosely wanting like blackmail and there's the sort of weird dynamic and Mosley's like, you don't have to listen to Barrow. That doesn't really go anywhere. It kind of reaches a head where he gets um he's been taking the he's he's been trying to cure his homosexuality in season five. Baxter takes him to Dr. Clarkson and that's where he confesses that he wrote to the police for, for, like, episode upon episode upon episode of, like, I want reports on the Bateses I want all of, like, this dirt, that really just kind of lands with a thud. They don't really, it's just too stupid. I mean, they don't, they, they wait till the first episode of the sixth season to truly put the whole, all, whole green nonsense behind everybody. Barrow factors into that in a really, sort of, small way, not too reflective of how much time he as a character had been given to all of the scheming and stuff. The scheming just kind of lands with a thud. They didn't really know what to do with him. I mean, kind of his his best moments come in the second season where he's serving particularly... I mean, he's got good moments when he comes to Downton to serve, but the the scenes where he's a medic and he's uh, helping, helping uh, Sybil in the hospital with Dr. Clarkson, I mean, that's really... It's very powerful stuff, and, you know, with, uh, Edward Courtenay, who's the, the blind, uh, soldier who takes his own life, because he's going to be transferred. Thomas is somebody who doesn't handle rejection well, doesn't handle personal slights well, but he has a lot of love to give people. He's very nice to Jimmy when he comes, uh, maybe too nice, uh, very Ill- ill-fated, uh, romantic moves i don't know why he thought that was a good idea i mean you know why he thought it was a good idea because he's he's delusional because he's so repressed that he's uh, he said to hold all this stuff in i mean that does a number on people i gotta tell you as somebody who spent time in the closet when people show him kindness he rewards it well and you know like (sighs) that's not like you know, conditional kindness is not really the absolute greatest thing in the world. You think you you you'd want people to be kind anyway. But what makes Barrow such a compelling character? I mean, think about it. He's doing everything he can to get off the front. And actually, I mean, we can take a a, a little bit of a further step back. The seventh, the final episode of the first season before the war. The seventh season only has uh, the first season only has seven episodes, and. You know they've got this. the they've got this talk in the servants' hall, and they're talking about William wanting to enlist and do his part. And Barrow's like, "I'm making plans for me." And Bates is like, all all kind of mad. He's called selfish, and Barrow calls William cannon fodder. I mean, I mean, World War One. There were a ton of young casualties there. A lot of young people. They called it the Lost Generation. A lot of young people lost their lives because of this war. It is insensitive. It is not patriotic for Thomas to call William uh, cannon fodder. It is not patriotic for him to want to sort of make his own moves to protect himself. It is like 100% understandable. And if you, it, I think like, I mean, Julian Fellows is probably writing this from a perspective of being a bit far removed. He's older. He's a part of the upper class. But if you're listening to like the, the that conversation in the seventh episode of the first season, and it's between Bates and William and Thomas, I, I gotta say, like, you know, Thomas is not making you know friends with the way that he's describing all of this dynamic, and yet he's he's not wrong. He, and O'Brien he he's trying to like make plans with O'Brien <laughs> for the war. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of absurd him saying like, oh, you know, we need to plan for this you're not going to be able to plan for it. It's a war far bigger than yourself. But he's a guy trying he's he's a guy trying to take control of his life. I I I, I can't really fault him for being scared shitless. He sticks his he, he he has a lighter. He sticks his hand up to get shot so that he won't be killed on the front line. He maims himself for that. Put yourself in that kind of position. How scary that he has no control over like he can't say, "Oh, I'm too scared. I don't want to be part of this war anymore." No, he's a medic. Go to the front line and die. That's that's what's expected of him. It's not like he has a single iota of control over this situation. He doesn't want to fight. Tough shit. Go and do your duty. Who's who said it was his duty? He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't care. I mean, we we, we can say, "Oh, that's horrible." You know, go fight for your country. What if he doesn't want to die? He's not a soldier. He can't even push back when Bates has got him on the wall. He does not want to be part of this. And why should he? Why is he... But he really does shine as a medic, and he uh, bonds with Sybil. I mean, that's a touching scene. When Sybil dies, I mean, he's crying, and Anna's comforting him. I mean, that's really his... His. his it's not like they had a great friend. Mean, at that moment, maybe it's a little... I, I mean, it is important to keep in mind that most of... So... Most of these episodes cover... Most of these episodes take place about a month apart from each other. So with each new episode, it's supposed to be roughly... And that's not always the case, but there are supposed to be time jumps in between episodes. He would have worked with Sybil for a decent amount of time. Not too long. I mean, Sybil didn't really bond with uh, anybody downstairs besides Gwen, who would have been gone at that point, and then Tom, who she married. So Barrow would be the logical choice, but... He's really heartbroken over it. I can't believe I've gone this far into the episode without saying the greatest. (laughs) The greatest Barrow line is actually not a Barrow line, but rather a George line. Young, young George who says, "Goodbye, Mr. Barrow. Goodbye, Mr. Barrow." At the uh, at the in the final episode of the series, very very touching. I mean. Barrow is a pretty nice guy, all things considered. He, he's got a lot of love for the Crawley children, uh, George and, uh, Sibby. I don't really see a ton of marigold moments, but you know, they are grown up in this big house. Carson's kind of stiff. I mean, he's... Carson has a really great relationship with Mary, but that doesn't... We don't really see that extending to that many other people. Thomas really does want to make friends. He's very nice to Andy. And he lasts a long time there. We talked about this in the beginning, but... He's there for a pretty long period of time for somebody who is, you know, disliked for a lot of people. He is kind of trying to make friends. And he's also, he's also, tr- like, we see a lot in the second season of him, you know, he's worried. He gets back to Downton kind of through help of, uh, engineering of, uh, He's kind of made head of the downstairs so that uh, Isabel Crawley can't totally take control of the situation. O'Brien suggested to Cora as a way of sort of keeping control of... So Downton becomes a convalescent home and they want to... I mean, a lot of it's ridiculous stuff, all the ridiculous drama. And Isabel goes and leaves because she's not wanted. I mean, a lot of this is very petty stuff. But uh, then he starts... uh, He goes to the black market. He spends his money. He thinks he's getting good stuff. It's all junk. He's just, he's, he's, this is really the, the Barrow arc is all about agency and having to survive in a world that doesn't necessarily give a single crap about Barrow. They're not, I mean, loyalty, loyalty at Downton. We don't, we don't want to say that it's a one-way street because you can point to time and time again where, where it's not a one-way street. But it's it's not it's not fully a two way street either. I mean, case in point, when uh, in the sixth season, the the control of the farm, uh, Mr. Mason gets pushed off his farm, and that's kind of an odd situation because he's clearly kind of a friend of, of of Downton. The Dowager tries to keep him out of the war, uh, keep William out of the war, so that uh, Mr. Mason wouldn't lose his last child, and he, knowing that he's his wife had died in the first season, so there is kind of a familiarity there that. Kind of doesn't make any sense, given that he doesn't work on an actual Downton Farm, but... I don't know. Mr. Mason is a, is a fun character. I'm not sure... Maybe we can do an episode on him. That would be a little bit further down the depth chart, but... I mean, you know, Thomas trying to get out of the front line is not all that different from when the Dowager wrote the letter saying that Mosley and William both had uh, a, a skin problem and a heart problem to try and get out of the war. And then Isabel tells on her to Clarkson... I mean, what not that make Isabel really—the arch villain of the show? She gets she, Isabel Crawley essentially gets William killed. That's not a hundred percent true in the sense that she didn't, you know, fire the shell that he jumped on and to save Matthew. But uh, she died; he died saving her son, and she told Clarkson that the dowager had had lied and got him sent to war. He did want to go to the war. It's unclear if he would have come forward with that independent of of that whole situation, but, uh, I mean, I, I would, if I, if I had a son, uh, I would lie to keep them out of war. I would do that in a heartbeat, and I wouldn't think twice about it, and I wouldn't feel bad about it. So, I don't blame Barrow for that. I don't blame Barrow for a lot of it, and he's, he's just, you could say that maybe Downton in in later seasons probably would have been, it probably would have benefited from a more, a clearer sense of, of, a, of a real antagonist. Because, like, <sighs> Barrow O'Brien, we can say, big sort of contributor arch-villain of the first season, running alongside... I mean, you could say Framing Bates was, was a really mean act. Is it the meanest act? You've got, you know, Ma- the Mary-Matthew romantic situation is, is very... There's a lot of pettiness there. And then there's also Edith who writes letters about Mary and Mr. Pamuk, the Turkish gentleman. So, I mean, people are mean to each other. This is a soap opera. We want people to be mean to each other. In fact, Downton probably could have, in the later seasons, benefited from a meaner Mr. Barrow who's, who's kind of very much reduced to uh, the Baxter nonsense. And then it's, it's, it's odd. If you watch season four, sort of late late in, i mean he, he's always he's always been annoyed at the fact that he would have to serve branson in, in general but he's also he's also upset when he's made under butler he's upset knowing that if branson hadn't married sybil that branson would have essentially been under his command as a chauffeur so he gets mad and then he's 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 sat down and then miss bunting enters the equation and barrow decides he's going to tell on him to his lordship that is, uh, that's not the greatest plotline on the planet Earth, I'll say that. It, maybe it was just like, I mean, part, part of the problem, so we have these big ensemble shows, they have, you know, we get, uh, eight, essentially one hour episodes for, for seasons, uh, two through six, we get basically eight one hour episodes, and then we get a Christmas special, which is, uh, basically an hour and a half, so that's you know, nine and a half hours of content split across a very large cast. There's a lot of characters. So Barrow Barrow's in a position where he is not necessarily going to get the cream of the crop in terms of the plot. And the show does a pretty good job kind of balancing, okay, we'll bring in these, these villains, like... Oh, I mean, I'm not a fan of Mr. Green. I think that was a really horrible thing to do to Anna... Not a big fan of rape plots in general. I think they're almost always kind of unnecessary and reflect lazy writing. But they had a good balance. I mean, Down Abbey at its core is a show about change. It's it's not about... And yet, it's, it's a show about change. And yet, the reason that we all love it is because of uh, the ways in which it was able to maintain the status quo. I mean, I think it would probably be really fun if we just saw a show like Downton that kind of had the style of the upstairs-downstairs kind of format, and have it not be about change, have it set it in the 1800s, and have them, you know, just, just kind of have, like, a comedy of errors or more lighthearted stuff, like we saw with Spratt and Denker and the Broth, one of my favorite moments of the show in season five. That would have been, that could have been really fun. So, I mean, a lot of time the show didn't really need a... Sort of villain, and yet Barrow is there, and they need something for him to do. He's a cast member, you can't just have him do nothing for long periods of time, or else uh, uh, Rob James Collier would want to leave. However, this is also a show that, that gives Barrow this really triumphant moment at the end. He gets to be Butler, we see him full circle. He's you know. In the closing, uh, or I guess towards the beginning of, uh, the Christmas special, when he's about to leave, and he says, you know, I came to Downton a boy. I leave here a man, he thanks his lordship, and they're all surprised, thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. you know, I'm really glad you thought that this whole experience was beneficial. I mean, this is a guy who was gonna kill himself, about to leave, and supposedly he's got no friends, or well, very few friends, and- and- that's all, all happening, uh, as the, the servants, they get smaller and smaller, and it feels very empty. That's kind of, it's, it's kind of why you'd, we'd almost want more, uh, stuff for Barry to have done in, like, the fifth season, cause it just feels so quiet. I mean, they did, as a, as an LGBTQ person, as a transgender person, as a bisexual person, uh, you know, somebody, somebody's too steeped in, uh, knowing what it was like to kind of feel shame for who I was beforehand, well, before I came out, I don't feel shame for, (laughs) I haven't felt any shame for that in a long time, uh, thankfully, I mean, that's a good thing, I mean, we see, we see Beryl thrive in the film, he's got that really great, subtle, romantic, I mean, I, I teared up a lot, uh, especially the kiss in his office at, at the end of the movie, They kind of just gave him a victory lap. He didn't have to be the villain. He got to... We got to help them a little bit in their scheme, but... That was just... It was very sweet. So, to call a character like Thomas, like a villain... Yeah, he was a really bad guy at first. But for the vast majority of the show, his biggest crime is that he is not the nicest person in the world. Carson's not the nicest person in the world. Cora's is really not the nicest person in the world. I mean, I, Isabel. There's not really a ton of ton of uh, problems there, but they're mean characters. It's it, Mary. Mary is far from the nicest person in the world. Uh, th- that's the way it goes. You you don't need to watch a show to say, "Oh my God, look at how nice everybody is." It's nice that Daisy. Da- Daisy's pretty nice. I mean, she's not always though. She kind of pushes off Andy, especially in the movie. But, but Downton was able to kind of put together a, uh, this arc, this guy who starts off, his, his singular goal is to destroy another man. Unjustly, I don't like Mr. Bates. I really, I loathe Mr. Bates. And yet, it's, it's not fun to see Thomas just kind of go after him like that. It's, it's immature. It's good television. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say this, it was important that he was able to do that because uh it sets up it sets up his his season 2 arc when he's you know he, terrified of the war. Uh, he, Thomas Barrow really is the the loneliest character in in the whole series. More so than Mosley who who falls a hell of a lot further than Barrow and doesn't rise as high either. But uh he's he's always got a lot of he, a lot of people are in his corner and he's a nice guy barrow is uh, not barrow's barrow's just trying there's a lot of times where he's trying to sort of pull himself up and especially the season three episode where they all go to the fair carson oh, carson has that really touching moment with Sibby. Uh, they go to the fair and uh barrow saves jimmy He's just a guy he he he's he's desperate to want to be liked but when at its core at his core he's a person who does not like himself he's ashamed of who he is he feels that he's you know the, the just the basic fight for dignity to say like Mr. Carson I'm not foul I'm not perverse I I, I get called a lot of really bad things online. I get called, per, you know, a, a pervert. And I get called, like, sick and mentally ill and all of that. And it's hard to, I can say, like, oh, I compartmentalize that. Oh, it's okay. Uh, it doesn't feel good to be told that kind of stuff. And, and, and living in a time when, yeah, I mean, homosexuality was, was punishable by incarceration. That's really, really scary when you can't help who you are. And that's, that's not an excuse to be a bad person. But at the same time, I think Barrow is kind of a person who slowly, in his own way, started to make amends. I mean, we saw that in the in uh, at the season six finale when, you know, he's, he's leaving and he says to Mr. Bates, when Mr. Bates says, you know, I'd rather we, we part as friends than enemies. I mean, their relationship could have had a lot more nuance to it in the sense that, I mean, Barrow owed Bates, and that's not at all reflected, and nor is it talked about. It's not even that it's not reflected. It's not like Barrow, you know, takes his kindness and repays it by continuing to be an asshole. It's like he does it, the show. The show does it with, without a second thought. So, I mean, there are. <sighs> He's an interesting character to talk about, also in the sense that he didn't get the greatest plot lines on the planet earth and and bait certainly didn't either but we have this sort of rich character who who when when julian fellows was was really on target with his plot lines when he really had something for for barrow to do when he was laser focused there was nothing better Really, really power. I, he's a big reason why I like this show. You take a character who schemes constantly, is so unpleasant, and then you see they peel back the layer. I mean, his dad. His dad was a clockmaker. He's trusted with the clocks. He's very good at his job. Nobody once is like, "Gee, but Baron's a crap under butler. He's no good. He's a bad footman. He's a bad valet." They all like him, and you know, what? he serves like a, a, a value. He's he's like the backup valet twice for Bates, and uh. For really three times with the extended stay in season three, and then the episode "We goes to America" in season four, and then season five and the Christmas special, which we've talked about already. Yeah, he very competent at his job. He was a good fit to be butler. I mean, Mosley may have been the more natural fit in the sense that he was still, you know, they had to kind of move pieces. I mean, I did written recaps when the sixth season was airing there on DowntonWorld.com. Uh, they, they really had to kind of walk a fine line between getting rid of mosley first that barrow the the lane was free for barrow to come in and be be butler it's just it's a very satisfying arc i really like thomas barrow and it's not just because he's a gay character who i can identify with he's a character who is who's fully three-dimensional he he's flawed he's deeply human he does bad things he's not fundamentally a bad person and i think i think you know if any i i think rob's uh, rob james collier the actor did a did a really good job of elevating him past some really crap material like the show often just didn't know necessarily how to how to wield him so he's doing his sort of faux scheming with baxter and or or he's fretting about his job but, uh, you know, when they were able to do stuff like very, on a very human level where he, uh, that's a great friendship with Andy, didn't talk, didn't, haven't talked about him yet, uh, getting, getting him out of trouble with Danker and the gambling in the, uh, second to last episode of the fifth season, he was capable of, of great kindness and, uh, you know, when I think about what, what Downton did really well, I mean, it's, it's a fabulous show, it, it, It has moments that are better than others and characters who, if you really, you just shine a very critical lens, which we'll do for other characters, but when you shine a really critical lens on some of the others, they they don't really necessarily hold up as well. Barrow, Barrow kind of fires on all cylinders. I really, really like him. And, you know, they're making another movie. I'm really hoping that you know we we get to see a little bit more of of barrow as butler which wasn't wasn't where the show and you know the the goal of the show is not to show like people i mean the other great great season six uh tragedy was that we didn't get to see more time of henry talbot living at downton with mary we only really got the christmas special and he wasn't even really in the movie he was in the movie towards the end he had, uh, I think he was filming A Discovery of Witches, which is, it's an okay show. I don't, it could be a lot better, it could be worse, uh, but I, I, I would get rid of that show to have him in the town movie. So we're gonna get another movie, uh, I, I would just, I would say more wholesome happiness. I mean, Down is not an act, we can talk about it all in the past, I mean, they'll make another movie, they'll probably... I mean, we could get another TV show down the road. I would never say never. Everything's being rebooted. But uh, we could get another movie after this. The first movie was a smashing hit. Uh, it, it It's it's not really a show that's trying to push the ball forward more than kind of play the greatest hits, which is why Carson becomes Butler again in the film, even though it, he's not really needed at any point. He's just, you know, they, they, they want to reset the status quo. But uh, Barrow, his arc really solid stuff, and I mean, there's a reason they didn't just write Barrow off at the end of season three, like they did with O'Brien. They made him the under-butler, they created a new position, which I think to that point in the show, hadn't hadn't really ever been mentioned, highly unrealistic, but, it's down, hey, it's really fun stuff, it's the kind of stuff I could sit here and talk about for another hour, but, uh, I think probably everybody's who's still listening at this point, probably a little bit tired of hearing my soul voice, but, uh, If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, feedback's great. Uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, my email, ITM at IanThomasMalone.com. Please, please leave an Apple review or a review somewhere else uh, on the podcast app. Uh, It's really greatly appreciated. It helps expand our reach. And we... Expanding reach and and getting getting the kind of downloads does does impact the kind of programming. The kind of a, a main driver for why we're doing this episode is the fact that the Downton Abbey film episode from twenty nineteen was so popular. It was just idiotic to not want to do another episode. So I haven't fully decided who the the next focus will be. Uh, Mosley seems like a pretty good uh, pick, but uh, yeah, Daisy's another good one. Uh, Uh, lady mary is another good one i mean you could really go you could go in a lot of different directions but uh thank you so much for listening uh please leave a review and uh we will see you next time